When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was watching MSNBC's uh, show, Your Business, and they, the head story was um, about Etsy. Okay. And they had um, two, two yeah, three, three stories of people who, one was new to Etsy and the other two had done very well. And they were both talking about, you know, the importance of self-promotion and marketing and, you know, that having a great product isn't enough. And I'm like, thank God, I'm not the only person saying this. Like, <laughs> because sometimes I feel like I am. I Sometimes I feel like I'm just going against the flow. And I'm like, people, if you want to be successful, you know, if you want to make money doing what you love, like that's the ultimate career and business success is like, you have to learn to love self-promotion, but, you know, you don't have to force it. So that's what I get excited about is is helping people see how self-promotion is just it's just another extension of of who you already are. We are always, you know, always promoting something or another and it's just it's changing the conversation within ourselves. And see that, ladies, we have begun the uh, episode already. Welcome, Miss Erica. Hello. <laughs> so you got a chance to hear a little bit of her genius that just caught her off guard here because I just feel this is a conversation we really do need to have for all of us. Um, so welcome, Miss Erica Liramark. And you know what you are the first of on She Podcasts? I'm the first what? You are the first, uh, you are the first non-podcaster on She Podcasts. Oh, but cool. you But you are a very f- huge fan of audio and audio listening. So I know that you get what it what its power is, but, and I know that you've kind of gone through the process and you've done a lot of, of work with me in terms of podcasting, but you just don't have a podcast proper as of this date. But, um, but yeah, so we want to have that conversation that you just heard about loving self-promotion. And I know that there are a lot of you guys who have started podcasting because you want to add a little something to your business. Which And so you know about self-promotion in that way, but then there's some of us who have done it for the love of it. You know, we just really love to come behind the mic and um, put out awesome content and have awesome podcasts. And we have a, this sort of like, I don't know if I want to, you know, put myself out there. And um, so we're going to address a little bit of those problems here today. Miss um, Erica, so... I'm going to get uh, a lot of this genius of yours into kind of speculating a little bit about the podcasting industry in general, okay? So I feel the industry itself has an education problem. Uh, A lot of businesses, uh, potential sponsors that would benefit from creating perfect partnerships, um, with our brilliant, you know, podcasters have no clue about the power of podcasting. So that's like problem number one. And the second problem I see in the podcasting industry is that we've have, we have an, an old model of exchanging money and it's based on volume. It's based on down, download numbers versus 
the value that this person is bringing that's so specific to a business what are we to do about this stuff? Like, what do you feel at, like, let's say, let's put you on the seat of the sponsor. What would you like to hear from somebody who has, like, the perfect audience for you if you were selling something or if you wanted to get the word out about something you had as a business? Well, um, as you know, one of the things that I teach in my course, LBD, is I talk about perfect partners. And everybody that you're doing business with, whether it's your customers or your vendors or your employees or your subcontractors or freelancers, et cetera, everybody that has um, that touches your business should be your perfect partner. And that is somebody who wants you to succeed as much as you want them to succeed. It's like you're in a perfect little happy little marriage and, and um, everybody wins. So, you know, I think the first thing is for sponsors and for people looking for sponsorship, you have to ask yourself, is this, is this a company that I believe in? Is this a product that I purchase myself? So I think one of the things that we can look at is, you know, the magazine subscription model. And um, I'm going to use Oprah Winfrey here in her own magazine. It's not a magazine that I purchase because I love watching her show. For magazines, I like Fast Company and I like Us Weekly. So I like to educate <laughs> my brain and I like brain candy once I've been educated. You've got to balance it out. If you're, if you're smart, like you have nothing to talk about with regular people. So, but one of the things that I've noticed in O Magazine, and, and granted, I haven't looked at it probably in a few years, but that their sponsors were corporate companies, General Mills, um, uh, General Mills, no, no other companies are, are coming to mind, but big corporate food companies, you know, major products like Windex and and, um, and Prego spaghetti sauce, et cetera, like big corporate companies with huge budgets for advertising. And to carry off that kind of, of a magazine and that kind of production with that high level of production, you need huge sponsors with that. And uh, back in the day, back in the 1990s, I was a women's studies major. And so I read a lot about like advertising and feminist ideas in, in advertising. And if you know the story of Gloria Steinem and Ms. Magazine, is that she really had an uphill battle with that because she didn't want to take on traditional sponsorship. She didn't want to have, you know, cigarette ads or alcohol ads in her magazine. So she had to come at it from, from a different route. And as, as far as I know, Ms. Magazine is still around. Um, but there's lots of different ways that you can, you know, run your business and you just have to decide what kind of business do you want to be? Um, if I had a podcast, I certainly wouldn't want um, a General Mills product advertised on my podcast. Absolutely not. I don't but think if that I would fit. A, no, not <laughs> at all. Because those are not products that I purchase. But if I had a national TV show, let's say, um, or if I needed funding to to do things that I couldn't do on a smaller sponsorship um, level. I would consider taking on a product, a General Mills product. You know, it's like you have to outweigh, uh, will this help me get my message out there? Will this help more people in the long run? Um, because the truth is these corporations, they're going to catch up because, you know, people vote with their dollars. And, you know, I'm somebody, I don't purchase those products. I don't shop at, you know, I typically don't shop at grocery stores that carry those products. I might run in and out to to grab something, but... My food money, it goes to co-ops first, 
And then um, if the co-op doesn't have what I need, then I'll head on over to Whole Foods. And I'm always like, you know, going up the, I always work to go up the, the ladder of, uh, you know, the chain of command, so to speak, um, when it comes to like the things that I put in my body, et cetera. I'm always about the local person. So you just have to decide what kind of business you want to have and whatever you kind of, Whatever kind you want, that's perfectly fine. If you don't, if you don't want to have a business, if you just love podcasting because it brings you so much joy, then don't have sponsors. You don't need sponsors to be successful. Um, if you want to have a larger audience and you want that funding to invest in other aspects of your business, then consider opening your mind. Um, but again, it comes down to perfect partnerships. Does everybody want the same thing? So as a uh, a sponsor, if I was looking to sponsor somebody, I would, of course, absolutely want to know numbers because um, I've got a big heart and I've got a, a big soul, um, but, you know, I'm in business. And if I'm going to invest in that, if I'm going to pay somebody up, I need to have a return on my investment. So smart companies are going to be looking at what's going to be the return on their investment because... I'm essentially handing over my product or service for you to market on your podcast. And I have relinquished control on my end. And, um, you know, I'm putting a lot of faith in you. And I have to know that you're going to deliver and my money's in good hands. And then I'm getting results. And if you have a large audience and people are not, um, what's the, if it's not converting, then I need to go back to my end as a sponsor and say like, wow, how can I tweak this ad or how can I talk about this product differently? Because I know the product that I'm offering is perfect for this person's audience. So there is a responsibility on both parties. And if people approach it like, hey, we both want this to be a win-win solution for us. We both want to make money at this. How can we work to this together? And how can we, the consumer, the content listener, is excited about this product or service that's being promoted and how, how are they feeling um, about the whole experience? That sounds great. I think that there, that's something that uh, we often feel as podcasters, at least for myself, is, is that I don't have the power in that conversation. That perhaps just because some company has been in the past sponsoring podcasts or you know making that uh, they, they already know the education, you know, they know how podcasting works. They know what happens, that there was going to be less work on your part. But, but I do feel that maybe there are some things from certain companies, like maybe for you, I could sell you on certain, you know, type of podcasts that are out there that would absolutely sell your program or your services or whatever it is that you're doing. But I feel we do have to do our homework. You know, if we don't have the numbers, what, what, what do you need to show? This is how much they engage with me. This is how, you know, this is how they buy my stuff. This is what the kinds of questions that I get. And they're using your stuff already. They're going to love it if, I, if you're part of my team, you know, or if you, we partner together. So I really love that. And I know that some of you ladies in the past have said that you feel like um, you're pimping your audience out. You know, that's the language that was used and we don't want to feel that way at all. So how, how do you shift that mindset from, from somebody who, let's say, is not a business, Erica, it's not a business, that they are doing this for the love, for the love of it, but they would like to get a little bit of cash coming in, you know, just to kind of cover costs here and there. It's not going to be full on out, but they don't feel like that, but they feel their audience is like their baby, as soon as you accept cash, guess what? You're you're in business, baby. 
<laughs> it's like a garage sale, right? As soon as you put up that sign and put up your old Tupperware to sell, you're in business. So if you don't want cash, don't you know? Then don't be in business. But that's uh, just that's the truth of it. That's good. That's good. You're in business, baby. So yeah. So okay. So there you have it. I I feel that you know for a while just it's just being it's been so such a an afraid kind of thing to to kind of um. I don't know, to kind of deal with money and to deal with you being a business because a lot of us really did get into it because we just loved it and we want to capitalize on the success that we've had, but we don't have the skills or the know-how of how to go about that. And Uh, that's okay. You know, we have to give ourselves a break. You know, the internet is very new. Podcasting is very new. Most of us were not raised to sell and hustle. I just happened to be one of those people with champagne taste and had parents <laughs> who would not spoil me. And I grew up in an affluent suburb and I wanted nice things and I wanted clothes to wear and I wanted freedom. And my dad is an entrepreneur. He is a killer salesperson. And both of my parents, you know, Protestant work ethic, we were raised to work tons of discipline. You know, I have a super strong work ethic. And while I hated it growing up, um, I, re- I recognize the value, the lifelong value that, you know, loving the hustle because I know what I'm going to get in exchange for that. And so, you know, we got to give ourselves a break. And this is why I'm so passionate about talking about it, about self-promotion and marketing and sales, because I know the freedom that one experiences from making their own money and also being able to make money in your business, even if it's just like, hey, this is just a little hobby business. But as soon as you need to raise cash because you got to pay expenses, maybe you want to buy a microphone, maybe you want to, you know, um, start hosting your your podcast files on, on Libsyn or something like that, and you don't have the money to do that. Um, you you got to change that conversation in your head, and it doesn't have to be yucky, and it doesn't have to be slimy. And um, I have never felt bad about taking someone's money for the business services that I provide because I know the insane lifelong value, not just the transactional value, but the lifelong value that I bring to my customers. And over and over and over again, people are like, you way undercharge. I should have paid $10,000, you know, for this $1,000 program. I hear that time and time again. Um, And I love delivering value and I love exceeding people's expectations. And when you have a great product and you are delivering insane amounts of value, um, the ability to listen for free um, is a huge benefit. And I don't know where we got the idea that, you know, we should do everything for free and just because it comes easily to us, it, we shouldn't charge for it. You know, like singing and rapping and rhyming comes e- easily for Jay-Z and The guy has a huge empire because he charges for his gift, a gift that he was born with. And if podcasting comes easily to you and you love it and you enjoy it, um, even if it doesn't come easily to you, you know, but you still love it and you want to work at it, everybody's going to figure out their own style. Everybody's an artist in some way or another. You deserve to get paid for it. And it doesn't have to be sleazy and it doesn't have to be slimy because you are contributing huge value to people's lives. And if people keep coming again and again and again and your your numbers keep growing and growing and growing you got to pay attention to that and you deserve to be paid 
That's rad. So that leads really great to this question that we got on the She Podcast uh, Facebook group. And this is from Beckett. And I want to you to hear this because I feel that this is the majority of podcasters out there. This is the majority of what they're feeling. And it's encompassed really wonderfully in this question. And this is what she says. She says, I want to stay refined. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be tacky. There is a fine line between hustle and annoying. Marketing is a word that annoys the crap out of me. Buzzwords make me shut down, optimize, maximize, calls to action. And so she would like to ask you how to advance, advance like this without losing one's dignity. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's no dignity in being poor. So (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like not having your own money and having to borrow from your friends and family because you don't want to put yourself out there. That's just, it's not okay with me and with me and my book. Um, but okay, but I get the point. Like you, you, you can be an elegant hustler, absolutely. So um, I would advise her to think about how she shops as a consumer. Where does she get excited, and where does she shut down? So if you go into like, um, okay, so as you're, if you're walking through the mall, you know, I live in Minnesota. <laughs> we had a lot of malls here. I, I pretty much grew up at the mall, okay. and. Um, there's at the Mall of America, there's tons of these kiosks, right? As you're, you know, the, the aisles are very wide. They have these kiosks. And as you're walking by these kiosks, it's like they heckle you. Oh, hey, lady, blah, blah, blah. And I always just pretend like I can't hear. Or I'm very busy in my own thought or I'm meditating as I'm walking through the mall. <laughs> and I just completely ignore them because they heckle you and it's uncomfortable. And, um, you know, they're like, hey, do you want some free lotion or whatever? And then they, they put it on and them, right? Like nobody wants that feeling where you've been cornered by an A-list hustler and all of a sudden, you know, like you're sending over your firstborn just so (laughs) they'll get away from you. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody wants that experience. Um, But then there's the experience of, you know, going into the Chanel store. And um, I was there a a few weeks ago and I asked the lady that was working there, you know, like, what do you love about Chanel? Like, why do you work here? And I I learned so much, not just about her, but about um, Chanel, the company. I learned that she worked at Gucci and Louis Vuitton, and she just loves selling um, luxury goods. And I learned about her dream that she wants to move to New York, and she's so scared. And I am giving her a card and you know a free coaching session in the Chanel store. Of course, and, um, I can't help stop myself. And. Um, <laughs> You know, I said, hey, if I buy a Chanel bag and, you know, before you move, like, I'm going to come in and, and, and I'm going to hook you up, girl, because she gave me such a delicious experience. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it doesn't have to. And this, this is so good because now it made me think about the stuff that I like, too, because it doesn't have to be Chanel. It was like I remember we just went to another local supermarket here. It's not it wasn't quite a co-op and it's not like Whole Foods, it's some kind of like supermarket that's local to Asheville. I forgot the name of it because it doesn't have like a name that I can remember. And when we walked in, it was super clear. And then on the side, they had all kinds of gluten-free desserts in the coffee shop. (laughs) And that's great for my girls. And they had a little area for kids to play in. And that sold me. Like just, I thought, how thoughtful is that? They were super sweet behind the counter. And I immediately thought, this is what I want. This is where I want to come. This is how, and they had Wi-Fi. Oh my God, the trifecta. 
gluten-free toys and Wi-Fi. So I'm like, oh my God. And I just thought, how wonderful is that? And that you're, you're right. I think we forget how to sell our pot, that our podcast is, is really at the bottom line, what we like and the partners that we approach and how we hustle is about what we like when we start to have the experience. And you have to recognize that when you are marketing online versus offline, it's a completely different conversation. The difference between speaking Greek and French. And you have to speak the language um, that people are speaking. And so when someone is on the internet, there's a chance they have like 10 windows open, the TV might be on, there might be kids in the background, they're getting texts, tweets, etc. Like we're very scatterbrained. And so when you use, you know, like take action now and you use those things, like it is proven that that delivers results. And if you have an amazing product or service that helps people, changes life, adds incredible, you know, I call it super allure, adds super allure to their life if you have like a luxury product, et cetera, you have to keep them focused. So don't think of it as like I'm manipulating them. It's more like, there's so many distraction, distractions going on. I'm like the, the person on the ground at the airport, you know, when the plane comes in and you just <laughs> like the two big lights, you know, in your hands. That's all you're doing. I'm just helping you stay focused on what I know you want. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be here. I love that. That, that just, That's a really great visual. I was like, hmm, yes, that's what right. I want to be. And so right. when you're in person, you have somebody's full attention and you can ask questions and you can get feedback. And this is why I love selling and I love sales conversations because it actually makes you a more elegant marketer because you know, you know, when you're writing web copy, when you're writing sales copy, you know what the person is saying on the other end. And you have to come at it from this point of, I have no idea if this person's read my last email or I have no idea if this person's been on this page before. So I need to treat everybody as if they're brand new and I love them and I adore them and I'm like so grateful that they're on my web page or they're looking at my Twitter feed or, you know, they're on my email list or they're looking, they're listening to my podcast. Like how blessed am I? And so it's about making it easy for them, keeping fo- keeping them focused on something they already want. That's so key. Did you hear that, Beckett? <laughs> well, see, Beckett, you know what's really tough too is that Beckett, and I think we have another question here, which I want you to address later uh, from Liz. They are both in the history podcasting um, niche genre. And a lot of these smaller niches like history, which is not something that you could usually, you know, think that would be very profitable, if you will, you know, it's a little more like their audience is a little bit slightly different than those that would be listening to the marketing podcasts and even the comedy podcasts and things like that. They're slight, it's a different type of audience. And so they're not kind of used to going to the malls. You know what I mean? They love to hang out in the library. So I would, I I mean, I'm just making vast generalizations, Beckett, don't get on my nerves about saying that. So, um, you know, think about what that feeling is of, of um, 
studying in the library, going into a university, going into bookstores, which I adore, and what kind of feeling that gives you and how to offer that back to your audience as well. Because I know every time I go into a bookstore, I want to buy every single one of those books that are there, especially the ones that are being showcased, because they know exactly what you're going to be gravitating to, especially for book lovers. So if you start to think about it from that perspective, it's really, really awesome. And they're just helping you make a decision yep. faster. Like yes. making a decision is exhausting. Should I? Shouldn't I? La, 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 la. And they make it easy for you. And the same with a library. Think of the experience. What is the experience here at the library? How can I bring that same experience to the my to my listeners, to my audience? It's the same thing. It's the and you have to trust yourself. It's the experiences that you adore. Your audience is also going to adore that same experience. Everybody is perfect partners. When you have the audience on board, when you have the podcaster on board, and when you have the spot sponsor on board, it's a win-win. It's a win-win threesome. It's a win-win threesome. Oh, yes. Oh, that's awesome. So we have a question here from Ashley, and she says, my thing would be for health and fitness podcasts like I have. I feel like I need a sponsor in a similar space, but maybe I'm wrong, and that there aren't a ton of like kale chip companies that know about podcast sponsorship. Yeah, it seems like I'd like to spend a lot of time educating people on why the benefits, uh, why it benefits them, and then selling them and actually buying into my show. Well, consider this, is that when you are in sales, you have to explain your product and service a lot and you are coming up um, against people's objections and when you understand what people's objections are everything in your product or service gets better because that's the only reason they're not buying if they're interested in it if it serves them they're not buying it because they have an objection and when you know those objections that is gold and so yeah it might take you some time to uh, educate a kale chip company on the benefits of podcasting, <laughs> but it's only going to make you a better podcaster because you're going to be able to understand and explain why your podcast rocks. And that goes into your sales copy. That goes into your marketing copy. That goes into the introductions. That's the way that you, you know, you talk about your podcast because you spent so much time, you know, blood, sweat and tears talking to kale chip companies and educating them and, and having sales conversations with them. And again, kale chips are awesome. You know, like if you are into kale chips, you know, do it because you're so tired of corporate government potato chips populating market share. Oh, my God. There's your sales. <laughs> There's your sales. I'm sure the company wants to hear that. And I'm sure the company wants to partner with somebody who can say that and truly be behind it. You know, how amazing would that be? Yes, we vote with our dollars. Absolutely. And Annabelle uh, has a question here that really goes into that and goes a little bit deeper because now we start to get a little bit more into mindset. So again, this is a very niche audience. And Annabelle says, I have a super specific niche audience, pregnant women with lots of listeners. Uh, and there are tons of companies that could sponsor me like doulas, baby clothes, maternity clothes, etc. But honestly, I feel intimidated by their big names to approach them since I've only been running for six months. Also, I hate feeling like I'm pimping my audience out to get paid. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it makes sense. But look at it this way is that, again, this is about building confidence. And um, I was talking to my friend Adeline yesterday and I was like, I can't, I mean, if I've been in my, 
I've had my own um, coaching business for, th- I've been full-time for three and a half years, but I've been coaching since 2005. And before that, I worked in, um, co-created a very successful commercial real estate company. And I'm, I'm still a partner there, although I don't really do anything there uh, anymore, but I'm still a partner. And I, I just like, wow, like having to go out on my own and sell an intangible service has made me a hundred, a thousand percent better not only at my business, but my self-esteem is like through the roof because I've had to, I've, I've, I've gone up against so many personal challenges in my life and in my business that it's just made me stronger. And, you know, unfortunately you can't buy confidence. It's one of the things that you have to earn. And once you earn it, nobody can take it away from you. You have that for the rest of your life. And this is why I can go into any situation and you know, I can spin circles around 99% of the people in the room because I have so much courage and so much guts and such a huge belief in myself. Like, it's just like, I can't even believe it because I gave that to myself. And, you know, when you approach a larger company, you could say like, hey, would you be interested in exploring a conversation with me and be really curious and say, hey, I would like to help you promote um, your products and services to this audience because because of X Y Z, and this audience would love your product or service because of X Y Z. And uh, would you be willing to have a conversation with me about it to explore if this is an option? Did you get that? Oh my god, that was awesome! Write that down. I basically, ladies. just wrote your email. Yes, right? exactly. You did. And again, <laughs> it's like invitation hustling. Elegant hustling is about invitation. It's not about in your face. It's not about um, dominating a conversation. Uh, it is a it is a conversation. It is a communication. It is connection with with another person, a human being, on the other side. And the biggest challenge that any company has, whether you're profitable or not profitable, is sales and marketing. Period. If you're not converting people, if you're not making sales, you don't have a business. Yeah. And even, yeah. And that, I think that's a little bit defeating for people too, because it's, there is a, at least in my head too, understanding the fact that you have to follow through, that you can't just stop at a no, that you have to continue and that these conversations, and I feel that the point that you're making about having conversations with people, finding out their pain points, having people say no, having people not buy, having people not want to sponsor your, your, your podcast is just as important as the people that are saying yes, because that gives you all the curiosity, all the newness, all the stuff that you need, all the fuel to keep on refining whatever it is that you want, if you want it enough. And you right. don't learn anything from yes. True. That's a true. You know, um, what's the author who wrote um, The Alchemist? Oh, gosh. Um, now you're going to make me go search. I'm going to Google it. But keep talking. I'll Google it while you like do it. Cause... Spanish or Portuguese or something like that. And yeah. um, I was watching a, a story about him, and he was talking about that. The the publishing company didn't want to name the book The Alchemist. And he ben had to Johnson, fight for that name. Seems... No, that's not it. No, okay. Paul, Paulo or something. Okay. Um, he had to fight for that name. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, to this date, I think it sold like 20 million copies. A that's... book that consistently changes people's lives. Look at that. And so his name is Paulo Coelho. C-O-E-L-H-O. Paulo Coelho. So, yeah. So you have to fight. Exactly. I completely agree. Over And fighting is not like, you know, I got to get in your face, but it's like, no, this is what I believe in. It's the same thing as if, you know, um, 
is if just for anything that you want, if you really want something and people don't agree with you, like take a stand for it. It's not bad. It's not bad to stand up for what you believe in. This is how we transform things for better in the world is we take a stand. Absolutely. And moving into like taking a stand and, and kind of embodying that, which is sort of like what we talked about in, in the last episode, Erica, I kind of uh, started to really hone in on the fact that valuable content is about that, is about the, your point of view, which you actually teach a lot about, about finding out what that is and being able to explain that to somebody else or to really just resonate that with, within so that you can really follow through. And Erica asks um, kind of some, some, a little bit more specific questions, but I also feel that it has to do a little bit more with mindset. And she asks, um, you know, what or who is the best person to approach when you're selling something like this? How to approach it? Should I start selling the idea of podcasting and then the show? <laughs> oh, how much? You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Just so. it's the, the, the conversation, the email that I gave everybody the uh-huh. template for, like, just start there. Yeah. Hey, is this something that you're interested in? Here's why. Here's why this would be a good opportunity for you. And again, make your emails short, just like a few lines, a few sentences. And then if they're interested, if you've piqued their interest, like have that conversation, like be ready, you know, and you can test this out with friends or family, et cetera. Like you don't, you can practice hustling. You don't, you know, you can practice your emails and ask yourself, you know, in this subject headline, would you open this? Like make it fun for them. That's awesome. Is um, So in terms of who or what is the best person to approach, would you just go for like the marketing people, the, you know, PR people for the company, especially the larger ones? Because the smaller ones, I think if it's a small business locally owned, I think it's easier to reach somebody from there. That's anybody. Yeah. If you're approaching a larger company, see if you can find out any information online about sponsorships. Um, you know, Google sponsorships. And if you can't find anything out, be willing to send several emails. Yeah, to several different people. Several people at the same company. And so just say, hey, I'm looking for this person. You know, here's why this is of value for you. Can you help me out? And then, you know, because if you give people a reason, a personal reason of why they'd want to help you, people are so much more likely to take action. You know, I'm thinking back to the, the woman who does the podcast for pregnant women and like, being pregnant. I mean, I've never been pregnant, but I've seen other ladies be pregnant and it's hard, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scary, and it's hard and, and, you know, figure out like why you want that person as like, why do you want that company as a sponsor? And then, you know, again, make it an invitation. Never start a conversation with just like selling people. You have to, you know, you have to open them up. Like, People are very closed when it comes to their purse strings. And if you know that, that's okay. You can just, you know, it's like an infomercial. You just open you up softly. And pretty soon you whipped out your credit card and you just bought another Nutribullet. <laughs> I know. Those, those guys are so genius. I guess we should study just the, those selling people. I'm telling you, if They're you watch so infomercials, it's amazing. Uh, my mom's friend... Uh, is going to buy a Nutribullet. And I made her a little video talking about my Nutribullet. And oh my God. I sent it to my mom to send to her friend. And she said, oh, that was such a great video. And she was persuasive, but not pushy and, and reliable. <laughs> and she really knew what she was talking about. And I don't even work for Nutribullet. <laughs> I'm just super passionate about the Nutribullet. And I look at David Wolf, the guy, you know, he's a raw foodist guy. Uh-huh. And I think I 
could sell Nutribullet. Absolutely. <laughs> I would be so good on infomercials. <laughs> I, don't, I don't doubt it. It's, it would be a little bit too much for everybody else to take. <laughs> then you'll be like, putting why don't people I have on... 10 Nutribullets? I know, right? Uh, and they'll make more just so that you could buy more of them. So, um, yes. But here's something else that I know that you're really good at, um, Erica. So Marissa asks, how do you keep going when you are busting your butt selling yourself and no one is buying? And you know that you have a good product. How do you recharge and regenerate and keep yourself fresh? Well, I think um, the key thing is is absolutely fueling your body. So paying attention to the foods that make you feel really good. Um, for me, uh, sugar, alcohol, you know, bread products, even if they're gluten-free, do not fuel my body. So and when I'm in like hardcore hustling mode, it's like green drinks. This morning I had a liver smoothie. Like it's really disgusting, but I feel amazing and Dude. so clear in the head. Uh-huh. And um, cause I'm, I'm launching my uh, LBD program this week. So I'm like, today, today it actually opens today, June 19th, today. June 19th? June, sorry, January. <laughs> January. Like, uh, You're like, June, what? Where are we going to January 19th, yes. January 19th. Yes, yes. So um, uh, so what am I saying? Oh, so that's really important. Like, don't underestimate that. Make sure that you are, like, physically active, yoga, running, jogging, walking, race walking, skiing, jumping jacks, you know, like Pilates, weightlifting, boxing, punching bags, whatever it is for you to feel physically good in your body. Sales and keeping the momentum going in your business it really is a mind-body spirit, you know, like uh, mind, body, spirit connection and make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who love hustling and making money and they have like the same vision that you have. And, um, and then also come from this place of curiosity. If you're like, why is this not working? You know, it's not always a, um, a, a thinking answer that you'll come up with. Maybe it, it's a feeling, um, but be really curious and educate yourself like look to people um, who are really killing it in the sponsorship space and like not from like not from a place of how can I copy them because nobody can really copy somebody else and if you do you just come off as a cheap imitation but get curious of like what are they doing to be so successful and um, and it is it's a marathon success is a freaking marathon and um, you just, you got to keep at it and you got to keep at it. And, uh, I just started reading a book called the 16th minute by Daryl Miller and he's an entertainment attorney I met, uh, in 2008. And this was interesting sales. I was going to a conference and he was speaking there about reality TV and I really wanted to connect with him. I was like, someday my TV's coming and I need my entertainment attorney. Oh my God. <laughs> I, this is no joke. And this so is forward like, thinking, forward thinking. A and I went to this conference and I got to the the breakout session early um, that he was participating in or he was leading and uh, I stood in line in my front row seat and I started talking to this woman because she had such a cute outfit on and uh, I was like oh is that I'll go talk to her turns out she is his wife and so oh she and I became friends during the conference and you know we've we've stayed in touch and so I saw on Facebook that he'd just written a new book. And uh, he he represents people like um, Outcast and Angela Bassett and just huge huge Hollywood names. And um, so he wrote a book called The Sixteenth Minute, and I'm almost done with it. But the gist is, is that 
you know, Andy Warhol came out with the saying, I think it was in 1968, that everybody's going to have their 15 minutes of fame. Well, that's great. Like, that's what everybody works towards. But what about the 16th minute? Then what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. And he talks about, you know, multiple streams of income and being smart with your money and uh, tells the story about somebody who got a $5 million contract. And when they got paid or like a signing bonus, they went out and bought five Bentleys that all cost $450,000. Oh, my god! And he's like, that is the dumbest way to spend your money (laughs) when you're starting out, right? Like, have a solid plan. And so, um, so the, you know, the thing is, is that, and he talks about, like, success is a marathon, and Angela Bassett was, you know, basically saying the same thing. And it's like, if you don't do it because you love it, and you know it changes lives, then you got to rethink your plan. You got to rethink your plan, and you got to find something that changes lives and some things that you love because you're not always going to make money right away. It could take you one year, two years, three years, five years, six years, seven years. But if you keep at it, it always, always shifts and you stay open and you stay curious and you're willing to change your strategies and you're not attached to outcomes. The breakthrough always happens guaranteed. Nice. That's genius. Um, So now we go to our last conversation that we have here. And I kind of wanted to see if we can kind of brainstorm a little bit and see if we can get a little bit open, a little more creative to let things go. Because this, again, comes back to somebody who has a really um, focused niche. Uh, Her name is Liz, and her podcast is called Ben Franklin's World. And guess what it's about? (laughs) Ben Franklin. (laughs) Yes. So she says, I would like to know more about other ways of funding your podcast beyond advertising and sponsorship with a, you know, marketing relation. For example, are there other ideas along the lines of or or different from Patreon? And um, Patreon, uh, like you guys have kind of known, is that model where your listeners support your show. They basically pay, pay you, you know, whatever amount of money. Uh, and they choose to do this every month. So you could possibly have a lot of people, you know, giving you a dollar. If you have a dollar, you know, if you have a dollar for every listener, you could be making some pretty decent cash. But she would like to kind of open up and see if there are other things that you could do for a podcast like hers, which is sort of like the Ben Franklin's world, you know, other ways of bringing in income other than selling a business. Well, I think that you would have to go out and you would have to look at what other um, personalities, brands that offer that sort of um, content and, and see what they're doing. And again, like get really curious. There's like you could become a speaker, a paid speaker. Uh, one of my former clients, Christina Fry, her um, book is the five rock stars of the revolution. And I think she changed the name of the book. Maybe she didn't, but this is so crazy. Like she has been on, uh, like the today show she's been on, um, uh, multiple like national TV shows like that. Uh, she, uh, Henry Rollins from black flag interviewed her wow. on the history channel. Yeah. It's really exciting. And, um, this was a woman who, you know, she came to me, I think it was uh, three years ago, two or three years ago, we started working together and, uh, wasn't, you know, was a youth speaker and wasn't clear on how to promote her services, et cetera. And so we created a strategy around that. And, you know, again, it's like she had the goods, like she was such a great speaker and she made learning about history so freaking fun for kids 
and even for adults. Like I learned things too. And, um, you know, things I'd never heard of before. And so she brought her own style and it's taken her very far. And then she's also really done the back end work and she's been really successful at that. So again, you have to be willing to be curious and look at, um, even just other types of businesses out there, um, and see what other people are offering and say like, Hey, is that something that I could offer? Is that something, could I apply that model to, um, to what they're doing? I mean, I think of like, um, you know, the Apple store, mm-hmm. I heard that people gave Apple, Steve Jobs, um, and I don't know if it was his idea, but anyways, one of the Apple executives, a lot of flack about creating the genius bar because it was going to take up about 30% of the store space. And like, no, we, we, this is part of our customer experience. Like we, you know, we, we have to like give people a way to come in and they come into the store and, and I don't know about you, Elsie, but when I go to the Mac store, oh, you know, like, it's like, I'm sure I need another iPhone case. I'm just sure of it. I know. I always Positive. end up hanging out. Sometimes I just want to go in there and just look and touch at stuff. That's what it was too. You know what? Um, that they innovated in the, in the way that you could touch the stuff that you could really yeah. play with it, that it was right there for you to get your hands on it which is so great. Um, Coming back to the history stuff, I was thinking, you know, uh, maybe even partnering up with, uh, to see if you can find some some educational places, some maybe programs in different schools that could, you could possibly partnership, partner with, because there's some, there's a lot of money that is in those areas that really is looking for a place to invest a lot of different places, uh, particularly for the educational uh, field, certain kinds of nonprofits out there that maybe you can, maybe it's not about earning money, but maybe it's about supporting uh, an organization in some way, uh, something along those lines, I think would yeah, be really wonderful. Yeah, kind of wonderful. like an NPR model type of thing where you are giving money, you know, I, well, I guess that's like Patreon also, you're giving money to support. Um, yeah, that's you true. Know, be honest, it's it's. I don't like to just pull out random advice, right? Um, just to answer a question and look good. Right. I really don't know something, I, and like nothing's coming for me. And if nothing right. comes for me, it's it's there's n- there's an opening that's it's uh, there's an opening that um, is not available to me. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I just trust my intuition. So yeah. I see um, grant grants coming up too. But then there was some there's something else that somebody did as of late, which was really intriguing for me. I just got. I just saw uh, a new podcast that just came out, and when they came out, they already had a sponsor, but it was because the person, the, the sponsor is basically putting the show on. So it's not like they, you know, they found the content. The content was created around that specific product, which I thought was a really great model. I mean, if you're starting from the beginning, too, you can just start to see if anybody needs a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I want to put that out, you know, like uh, Prant. I know Prant. Like, I would love to do a podcast for Prana or for Patagonia or something like that, and and put something together for those larger companies and talk about the stuff that I really love to talk about. You know, that's something that you could conceivably do if you have really you contacted podcasts. Patagonia. I have not because you. I did. I tell you about how awesome they are. That they are not. No, I, they're from. They're Seattle companies. It, I, you know, I used to live in. Seattle. So I know how awesome they are. Yeah. there, And so there's a value system in Patagonia that I'm really into. And so, yes, that is on my to-do to contact Patagonia because they're, oh, I love their, 
their their thinking process about uh, making money and business as a whole, which is not about volume, which is something that I really So when like. are you contacting them? Oh, my gosh. I When I have <laughs> hey, time, for gosh. You know about me. I know. That's not an excuse when I have time. <laughs> but Elsie, look at this. Like, how cool would it be for you to go through that process because it would be so beneficial in helping your audience. That's true. Okay. See, I knew, I knew, I knew I was going to be put on the hot seat. <laughs> Just as a curiosity thing. Yes, absolutely. And I'll, I'll totally yeah. help you. I'll totally help you. You know I will. Yeah. To Patag- okay, Patagonia, man. Reaching out to Patagonia. And I want a free jacket or something. Yeah, they're so good. Oh, yeah. Such, such fabulous clothes. So anyway, I think that that's, um, we've reached uh, a point here where we've kind of covered all of these questions that we've had. And uh, I feel a little better because I think the mindset for sales in, in podcasting specifically, because there's so much of the artistic energy and there's so, I feel basic sales skills are kind of lacking a little bit. And I think that this gives you at least uh, a way for you guys to start to think about things in a di- from a different perspective, from a, an elegant hustling perspective, which I love. Uh, okay, I'm going to dispel one more myth. Okay, go for it. Sales is one of the most creative endeavors you will take on. Sales and marketing is all about creativity. There you go. That's true. It's fun. I think when you... It's fun. And yes. here's the thing. Okay. So um, there's a presentation that I give called, and I'm giving you the super quickie version. It's called How to Love Selling as Much as You Love Buying. So I don't know about all of you, but I love to buy. Like I love to spend money. I love to go to the store. I love to shop <laughs> online. You know, like I love it. I love it. I love it. Um and so here's the thing about sales is sales and, you know, sales is a different conversation than marketing. And so I always recommend that people understand, you know, they do, they, they go hand in hand, but it's a different conversation. So the way I look at marketing is a long term effort, you know, marketing and social media, building relationship, building trust, it's a long term effort. And then, you know, when you're actually selling something, if you have an online thing and you, it's like we're having a sale, you know, then you have to learn like direct response marketing, which is like all about getting people to take action now. So um, sales is, you know, it's a very intimate conversation that you're having with somebody and you're asking them to inviting them, you know, not asking, inviting them to, you know, you're, you're solving a problem for them or you're, you're providing value in their life, et cetera. And so once you learn the basics of, of sales and marketing, that's where you can bring all of your creativity in. So just like with uh, learning to paint, you have to understand like the different kinds of canvases, the different mediums that you can paint on, different paint brushes. Uh, did I say different kinds of paints, how to clean your brush, how to take care of it, how to dry things, how to layer paints, how to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then like once you've learned that, then the artistry comes into place. So, you know, like an artist like Jackson Pollock, you know, he had to learn basic painting stuff, right? But then he opened up and it's like you just forget everything that you've learned and you allow your own genius to come in. And just like riding a bike, you're not going to forget that. Once you know it, you're going to know how to do it. And then pretty soon you're riding on the street, no hands, you know, smoking a cigarette, chewing gum, texting and putting on <laughs> lip gloss. You have become an octopus. <laughs> right. And then you forget that like one time you used to get on your bike and skin your knees and fall down all the time. And it hurt. And it's the same with sales and marketing. It totally. Is, seriously, it is so fun. And I have, 
you know, I have trained hundreds, you know, hundreds of people have gone through my sales and marketing and training programs and they come out and they just see it in a completely different way because I know, you know, I don't know if you all know this or if Elsie's going to tell you this, but I was a stripper for almost 10 years and that is hardcore sales. Like it is, there is the art, it is transaction, it is like force, it is like the kind of sales that you do not want to be in. And then I went to work in commercial real estate and it was way less transactional, all about relationship building. And then, you know, having my own um, business coaching company is ultimately I'm selling an intangible product. So I had to elevate my ability to sell and have conversations with people at an even higher level. And the creativity just goes on and on and on. Plus, you know that you're changing someone's lives. And like, what a reward for that. You pay me money and I get to change your life. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. And see, this is, it's, it's the reason I wanted to have Eric on is because she has this, she's got like 25 years of experience in in sales and actually making those transactions and actually getting the money, you know, and, and in business. And I feel there's a lot of information out there from people who know more about the marketing end of things or know how to optimize things, but they don't really know how the day in and day out of what it takes to hustle to really continue to follow your, your freedom and your dream. They don't know how to have conversations with people. That's right. I've met some That's of those right. people and I'm like, you have no idea how to interact with people. <laughs> Yeah. And again, it's about connection. And when you're podcasting, that's what you're doing. People are giving you permission to come into my life. Absolutely. You have a relationship with that person, a very intimate relationship. You know, we're usually putting on earbuds to listen to podcasts or we're, you know, um, listening to podcasts when we're putting on our makeup or taking a bath or, you know, getting ready for that. It becomes an intimate part of one's day. And they're right there. So it's the perfect place. It's it's a perfect place for value exchange, which is which which most podcasters understand. They know this is super valuable. I love to do this, and that's why they love you. So it's all right for you to have a perfect partner like what Eric is talking about to find that and for you to really go after that with as much passion as you do with your audience, as much as you would want to serve them. So if you start to think about it from that perspective, things can start to change a little bit, and you might be just willing to have that sales conversation again. And it, you know, to take the pressure off of it, you can have that sales conversation starting from a real basic place or just, you know, test those emails out with your friends, you know, approach somebody that you love. I know Annabelle, you know what she did, the one with um the the pregnancy perfect. <laughs> her first sponsor is her husband <laughs> who is in Oh, I love it. I know. And so and he was really great. She called him on the phone, introduced him to her audience like this was all recorded so that they kind of knew who he was. And he's a realtor and he works in California. And, you know, basically she laid it all out. And in the same way that she reached out to her husband, even though because he was really interested in our podcast, that's a really step, a, a wonderful step one to have somebody that you really care about, that you feel really knows your audience even if you feel it doesn't quite match up with your niche because it's the type of person that you can have a conversation with. Absolutely. So, and yes. sales conversation, marketing, it all takes practice. And, you know, it's it takes a lot of practice and you do not have to knock it out of the park your first time. Once, you know, what, there was a thing in um, 
I used to teach just a course just on on sales, and um, and I, I think about bringing it back. Um, but there was a thing of like we had this this competition, and it was like the hustling one hundred. And after you've had a hundred sales conversations, like even after ten, you're like, yeah, this isn't so bad. And yes, they said no. So what? On to the next, because ultimately. If you're staying open and you're staying curious, you know, sales is a numbers game. It really is. It's all about percentages and probability. And it's it's fun to up your game. And again, you are offering tremendous value um, to the people who are listening. And as somebody who does listen listen to podcasts, I want the the podcasts that I listen to, I want them to be successful. I want them to win in life. I want them to have money to do the things that they want to do. I want them to be rewarded for their hard work. And I think the majority of your audience is also going to feel the same way, especially if they're coming back again and again and again. We create such intimate uh, relationships with the podcast that we listen to because, again, it's typically something that we do on our own. We're not sharing it. Like I'm not you know, saying to my husband, oh, let's listen to this podcast together. Because he's like, why are we listening about bone broth? You know, Wellness Mama is a <laughs> podcaster that I love to listen to. Um, he's like, why are we listening to this? Like, can we watch some football or something? You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it's perfect. That's so, so good. I really love that. And thank you, Erica, for coming. And FYI, guys, Erica's program, which is Learmark Business Design, opens today. It just happened to be that that was happening. I didn't really make that happen. It I just realized today. it starts today. This is airing January 19th. It starts. Yes. Yeah. So it starts today. Um, so if you want to go check it out, go to joinlbd.com. She's got a wonderful sales page. So even if it's just your learning so that you can go see how she positions herself and how she makes the sale, um, you can very easily check it out. Her work is fantastic. I have taken her courses in the past and they were really life-changing for me. Like, Honestly, it's the, the reason I'm having this conversation with Erica about sales is because she was the first person that actually got into my brain and I was able to shift my perspective about what my issues were because I had a lot of baggage about sales. Seriously. And she yeah, made and them go away. Go on and have a curious, curious conversation with Patagonia. Yes, we. Oh, my God. I'm going to get a free jacket. You're not going to let me forget. Okay, no I will report I will report back on the Patagonia conversation here next time once it's done. All right. Well, thank you Erica and ladies, if you have any um, thoughts about this podcast, you can very you can send your feedback over at to feedback at shepodcast.com. You can also, of course, post your comments right underneath the post over on the She Podcast Facebook which which, which you could see in the show notes. You can have a link through the show notes right there. And we would love to hear what your thoughts about this conversation and if that instigated you to perhaps take action because we would love to hear that. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.